welcome to Karura's Weekly Podcast. Our hope is that your spiritual life will be fruitful as we go through our new series, Redefining Success According to Jesus. We start in 3, 2, 1. Uh, Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you are God present. Um, not just here where we are gathered in this particular place, but all over the world. And you are present. You are present amongst our children. Um, and those that we love who are doing their exams starting from tomorrow. And we pray, Lord, that you will be together with them, that you will be their strength, um, that you will give them peace of mind as they, as they sit those exams um, and truly enable them to do well, to do the very best that they can. Father, we also pray for the parents and guardians, um, some of whom are right here amongst us. And we pray, Lord, that you will be together with, with us as, as, as those parents and guardians, um, that peace will also be our portion um, as we think about what our children are going through and are working on. Father, be together with us in this whole nation, um, enabling peace, enabling that, that things will go well. This particular exam season will really be a good season. We are praying for peace in our campaigns, the politics, and all that is going on. Lord, give us um, true peace in our nation. And now, Lord, as you um, speak to us, I pray that you will use me as a vessel, that you will speak to all of us that are in our hearts, all of us. We will be setting apart Christ as Lord. We will be listening to you. Um, by your Holy Spirit, you will enable us to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the saints, that we shall be able then to go forward and do according to your will. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, uh, good morning, and it is, it is a, it's a good day to come and to continue in the work of redefining success according to Jesus. As we've been doing this particular campaign, um, our key passage has been from Luke chapter 12, starting from verse 13, running up to verse 21. It's a passage that is often referred to as the parable of the rich fool. And if you remember in, 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 in Luke 12, 15, Jesus warns us, he warns us, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And with that statement, Jesus redefined success, you know, from the patterns that we embrace as the people of the world, which are based, really our focus is simply the things that we can see. And, and we don't face this true reality that we were made for much, much more than simply what we see. Life is a bigger thing. Our maker made us for much more fullness of life, both in this world and into eternity. A fullness that, you know, when we are honest and we stop and think about it, this is what our hearts truly and deeply long for. In verse 20 of that particular passage, God speaks to, the, to this rich uh, man who, who had been, you know, really enjoying the fact that he had so much wealth and, you know, making plans by himself. God declares to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Guys, don't be a fool. Don't be a fool. You know, acknowledge this basic truth that this world is not yours to control. You don't even own your own life. And the owner, the owner can demand it of you in a moment. You know, you will die. That's for sure. Guarantee. And what, you know, then what will all this stuff that you have been chasing and living for, what will it matter then? In verse 21, Jesus continues. He says, this is how it will be with 
whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. We must have an attitude, a heart that is looking up towards God. Now in the next passage, you know, it's really unfortunate that the next passage is separated with a new heading um, within most of our translations because, you know, and, and it's sad because, you know, it kind of makes it in our minds, we, we sort of think like, oh, this must be something different um, because of that separation. But actually, this is a, really a continuation of this event. And Jesus is continuing to talk to the people um, after saying these things, you know, being rich towards God. And then he tells them, do not worry. You know, do not worry. What, what do we normally worry about? We worry about, you know, the things that are important to us. Basics like food and, and drink and clothing. We worry about, you know, the things that, that will make our lives comfortable. We worry about things that we deeply desire, but we are uncertain. We feel uncertain about. Those things tend to grip our hearts. They tend to control our hearts. They hold us and, and so our minds are on them. But Jesus commands us to, to, to do things differently. Verse 29 to 32, Luke chapter 12, 29 to 32. He says, do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things. And your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom. And these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock. For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. What can we learn from this particular passage? Really, don't set your heart on food and drink and the, even the other necessities of life. You know, that's what holds captives the hearts of, of, of the people who are worldly focused, who, who have no further hope. But think about it. Just think about it. Do children of a good, capable and loving father spend their time in anxiety? Am I going to get food today or tomorrow? Actually, they let their parents worry about that, isn't it? You know, even when there is no food, they, they just trust their parents. Anxiety is often the reaction of orphans, of people who are, of children who are very insecure in their circumstances. You know, those who are going through foster care and things like that, before they gain that confidence that, that, that somebody is, going to, is actually looking out for them, they believe that they have to fight for themselves and so they're living with so much anxiety. So we're being told, make God's kingdom your first priority. You know, that's where your heart should be. You are children of a great father. You know, and as a child of God, live your life with confidence that the father not only knows, but also cares for all the things that you need, all of them. So focus your heart on his kingdom, his purposes. You know, verse 32 has some great encouragement for us. You know, do not be afraid, little flock. You know, don't let fear or insecurity capture your heart, take control of, of, of you and, and, and prevent you, you know, hold you back from making God's kingdom the central focus of your life. Don't be afraid that if you go for it, if you step out and really go for it, that you might miss the mark, you know, that you, you find at the end of it you've failed. Jesus tells us something that is absolutely amazing, an amazing truth that is ours as children of God. You know, that relationship guarantees success. The Father has been, has been pleased to give you the kingdom. The Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Past tense. You know, the outcome is already done. It is done. You know, we've been learning that. 
You know, the center of success is being a child of God. It's that relationship. You know, that's it. And then based on, on that is the next mark of true success that we will be looking at today, which is being kingdom focused. You know, we must focus our lives on investing in the eternal rather than on the temporal, just on, rather than the temporary things of this world. And remember the warning. Remember the warning that where you put your heart, that's where your treasure is and rather where your treasure is that's where your heart will be and if you're if you're so concerned about you know these other things and your heart turns to them then you know somehow your heart will not be towards our god let's look at this week's memory verse um it's taken from a very similar teaching recorded in jesus's sermon on the mount it's matthew chapter 6 verse 33 we know this. Many of us already know this. It, it, if you've been one of those guys who does memory verses, it's probably already memorized, you know, in one version or another. Um, we're using the new international version for all our memory verses this season. So can we do this together as a memory verse, starting with, you know, the address and then the verse, and then we finish with the, with the address. Let's do it together. Matthew 6, 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you will be given to you as well amen matthew 6 33 seek first his kingdom you know the kingdom is what jesus the son of god the true son the true member of god's family this is what he lived for you know the central theme of his life he lived it you know as a healing enabling and you know a sacrificing reality you know giving his life for us to have healing, to heal ours. It was the central message of all that he was doing. You know, that he was speaking, he spoke about it, he taught about it, just repeatedly declaring the kingdom of God. And he made disciples and then he commissioned them to do the same. The same things that he had been doing, that same kind of life that he had been living, he's calling us to do the same. And as God's children, our call therefore is to be kingdom focused, just as he was. Be kingdom focused as he was. In the Lord's Prayer that we, we, we recite so often, you know, the, that's the central request in that prayer. We many times don't notice this, but this is the central request is, Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. You know, when you pray, Thy kingdom come, the question you must answer is, you know, what are you doing about it? A few weeks ago, I remember mentioning a kingdom exists where the king's will is obeyed. Thy will be done is, 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 is the next words that are spoken in that, in, that, in that statement. And so, child of God, if Jesus is your king, does he reign in your life? Is his will done in your life? Is his kingdom present? You know, because that's where it must start, you know. It must start with you. And, and maybe you can ask yourself, what are some of the areas where that you're finding in your life that you might be afraid of, of really allowing the rule of God to take over, to be in charge, that God would be, would be ruler of your life, that the kingdom would be the center? What are the things that are blocking you? You know, there are barriers, and, and I'd like to talk about a few of those barriers that hold us back from actually living the kingdom of God. You know, barriers that we must overcome so that we must move forward into kingdom action. And the first barrier is our tendency to focus on the temporary and, and, and to self-absorption. 
focusing on the temporary and self-absorption. And I want you to look at that list and just note down, you know, what, what, what are some of the items that you personally struggle with? That these, these would be things that would hinder you from actually making kingdom um, the center of your life. It could be lifestyle. You know, you desire a certain lifestyle and, and you really don't want to let it go. Yeah, it's very easy to try and justify, you know, what is driven by, by perhaps your desire to fit in to the world that is around you, um, to be popular, to be comfortable. And, and, you know, doesn't God want me to, to, to enjoy myself? Doesn't God want me to be comfortable? You know, he does. He probably does. But is there something else he wants you to prioritize? So popularity, pleasure, comfort. Um, sometimes it's like our career um, that has taken hold of our minds. Your mortgage might be the problem, you know, or another financial commitment. It might be stretching you and you're saying, you know, Lord, let me first clear my mortgage. And right there, you know, you've called him Lord and then you've said, let me first. Yeah. And, and that's a contradiction. How can you say Lord and then say me first? Yeah. Um, because if you say me first, then he is not king. He's not Lord of your life. You know, that's something that people told me. A lot of people told me when I was making my, my transitions, my changes um, in, in, into the career or the calling that, that God was calling me to. You know, they were saying, you know, Gary, you know, why don't you, first of all, just focus on your career and make enough money. And then you'll be able to, to become a pastor later on as you retire um, without, you know, causing anybody any stress financially. And, and meanwhile, you can be serving God in church in your spare time. Now, if I had succumbed to that very attractive thought, you know, I would have been putting God in second place. He had, he had really made clear to me, you know, what his will was. And it definitely was not to serve um, and to be obedient to him just part-time. He calls for a full time, um, a full commitment, a full, full obedience to him. Are there some areas in your life where you're telling him, God, let me first, let me first do possessions or your desire for them, you know, may, may also be holding you back. And really the, the thing that you must do to overcome that barrier is focus on the end. You must have your eyes looking forward. And in the following table, um, you have that comparison of the outcome of the two choices that we have you know to be distracted um, by by worldly success or to be kingdom focused you know if you're distracted if 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 you know you're in that place where your eyes are on building your 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 castle you know building your castle on earth you want something and and you're into comforts and entitlement and investment you uh, you you're looking at your investment portfolio you're concerned about your credit card statements and things like that your your eyes are on things that are temporary on the other hand, kingdom action has a, has a different focus. It focuses more on needs than on the extras. You know, maybe having a basic um, functional home, meeting your living needs without being extravagant, you know, like changing your furniture every two, three years, like, like, some, like some people do. Maybe piling up stuff that you, that you just thought would be nice. And on the spur of the moment, as you were going, you were going through and seeing in the shop, you, you just bought it because because you could because you could guys when you limit yourself you have the opportunity to be generous towards God and to invest in the kingdom in eternity 
It could be with your money, but it could also be with your time because you're listening to God and you're not so driven and controlled by, by you know, that hope that you have to get a, you know, that huge bonus check at the end of the year. And so you're driving yourself for overtime, but you can actually let go of some of that overtime and you can be home, you know, and, and you can invest in your family. You can have time to invest in other people. You can be mentoring other people. Your eyes should be on God. You know, not on the Joneses and Otienos that you are competing with next door. Now, I've said this before. I want to repeat it. Wealth is not the problem. It's your love for it. The Bible says it's the love of that wealth. You know, making it your heart's desire. That is what is a source of all kinds of evil. King David was not a poor man. Neither was Abraham. You know, Daniel and Nehemiah were amazing in their careers. They were truly successful in their careers. But, you know, with all these guys, God was clearly at the center of their lives. Their core identity was follower of Yahweh. That was their core identity. And they were ready to give everything up for the sake of the king, even their own lives. You know, King David, you know, at, at the end of his life, he gives all his personal wealth as, as an endowment for the temple, for the kingdom. This is what he had been living for. You know, Queen Esther, she was very careful about, you know, her looks. But she was ready to die for the sake of the kingdom. Having that kingdom at the center. When our, when our eyes are on temporary things in this world, you know, it's so easy to get anxious and, and uh, you know, about losing your wealth, your looks. And it will happen. You know, you will lose them. You know, you're mortal, you're living in a world that you don't control. And, and there's always that risk also of, of being in that never enough syndrome, constantly chasing, chasing, and never getting that fulfillment. But when your eyes, when your eyes are on the kingdom, a kingdom that God has already been pleased to give you, it's amazing, that statement. The outcome is peace. You know that biblical word, word, word shalom, you know? peace a peace that is deep it's a it's got contentment it's a state of joy in in the inward in in the inmost parts of your life it's a it's the peace of a, of an amazing purpose and meaning coming into your life here's a question i i wish i had left in the outline in the outline for you but you know think about this who might help you who might help you to live with a kingdom um perspective with a kingdom focus as your as your core perspective the key the center of your life because as we've seen before this is not something that is easy to do by yourself in fact you can't do it um, by yourself we need to be walking together we need to be walking in community with other people who understand our values who understand what it is that we are living for and support us despite the pull of other people um, that are pointing to something else you know towards chasing the world the success of the world i remember in the early years of my own um, journey in this i had four people that i would meet regularly um, some of them separately you know, I'd meet with them and, and they would pray for me and also help me to stick to the path. And I know, by the way, that as, I, as we interacted with them, they too were being helped um, to stay on the path of kingdom focus. You give permission for them to challenge what you are doing, to dig into your motives and try to understand, you know, what is it? What is it that is really ticking in your heart when you're... And guys, it's not easy. It's not easy. But it really works. It really 
works. You know, Rachel and I are also part of an accountability group um, of four couples. And, and because we share values and we meet, you know, pretty frequently over time, actually, we've been meeting for years and years. And over time, we've really, really helped each other. Our CLG um, has also been a great source of, of encouragement, you know, just living amongst the people within a community. Um, and, and, and you realize that you, you, you're aware all the time. You're much more aware that this life of mine has to stick together. It has to hold together um, and, and, and be practical in, in the way that we are living. The second barrier is our misconceptions of the king and the kingdom. Our misconceptions. You know, have you ever, have you thought, you know, what you're doing, you're adding the kingdom to your busy life. You're, there's so much that you're doing. You know, sometimes that's a struggle that we have. You know, my life is so busy. You know, it's already so busy. Now you're asking me to do even more, you know, to add on for more things for God beyond Sunday. You want me to do another activity? Christopher Wright in his book, The Mission of God, he says, we ask, where does God fit into the story of my life? When the real question, the real question is, where does my little life fit into this great story of God's mission? Guys, we must remember that the Bible is the ultimate guide. And that's where we, we, we start to confront those misconceptions that we have. And in the Bible, we see that this story, you know, the world, the, the story, it isn't about me and what I want. This story is about God. You know, and it's the central theme of, of, of all of life is God. It's God's story. And, and being kingdom focused means living with him at the center and not me. Our core misconception is that I am king of my life. I control where my life goes. And the Bible says that Jesus, God, is king. And so in that next table, we have a basic contrasting of of what happens when I see myself as king of my life and then the kingdom-focused life, you know, where Jesus is king. And when I am king of my life, you know, my focus is obviously me. And, and you know, we say, all of, we say, you know, I am the author of my life, you know. And, and by the way, isn't that the current culture of the world that I decide how my life is going to go? I create the story of my life. But the truth is, that this can only work as long as everything is under your control. And it isn't. It isn't. Yeah? We've been seeing how, you know, a war can suddenly just turn over the lives of, of individuals, change everything, blow up the trajectory of a person's life, of a whole community, a whole nation's um, trajectory is just blown up in one moment. Sickness has done the same thing. Our COVID season and, and sickness is cancer and of a loved one. Man, it can just change everything in a moment. And, and of course, the other thing is, you know, I, I believe we know. You know, most of us, I, I think if we are honest, we, we, we know, but we try to deny it. Huh? We try to convince ourselves that, you know, we are the guys, we are the ones who have, have made the opportunities that come our way. Um, but guys, the, the opportunities that come our way, those things that we, we may take them, we may take those opportunities, but... The real, the real truth is that they're mostly luck. They're mostly providence. You know, we don't make the opportunities even though we may take them. We don't control this world. But yet, on the other hand, when we are subjects of the king who does, you know, we must direct our eyes, redirect our eyes towards Jesus. The Bible says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. You know, God 
is the author of the story. And, and we are honored when our lives can be part of his grand picture, on the, of the grand story that he is developing. You know, when my life is centered on me, my ambition is about only me. One eight billionth of the people alive in the world today. That's a tiny ambition, guys. That's, that's a really tiny ambition. And God, God wants us to be ambitious. You know, every Christian ought to be ambitious because we are called to join God in an amazingly large, you know, project, a huge thing that he is doing. Those 8 billion people, you know, and all the people that shall come in the future and the creation that we see in the world, that, that we see the welfare of our planet and even more. You know, these are the things that, that God is, is, is doing and you are part of it. You are in, included into this huge, huge thing. You are an ambassador. And, and, and guys, which ambassador is half-hearted about, about his nation and his mission? You know, we're ambitious for the king. You know, a lot of us are really excited. A lot of Kenyans are excited about our ambassador to the, U, to the UN, Ambassador Martin Kimani. May, may it be that you and I, we are like that for our king. Really, truly, excitingly representing him. You know, a self-focused person is anxious to attain the best. You know, their career, their lifestyle. You know, there are times when you might feel alone, unprotected, insecure. But with Jesus as king, we rest in the care and protection of the ultimate, good, loving, and all-wise king. And we receive his wisdom and, and help as we go forward into the future. We depend on God and step forward into purposeful living. The life with me at the center is a divided and distracted life. You know, we try and fit everything in and, and, and divide our lives into different segments of all the things that we feel are important. You know, each trying to sort out one of the important parts of our lives. And so as you look at the diagram, you know, we can see, you know, how we are, we are looking for space to put among all the things that we think are important. So we carve a small space, a small space for God. And we crowd in the church, we crowd in kingdom and missions and, and Jesus as additions to my busy life. And the result is a reluctant subject. You're not really following the king, you know, a reluctant subject of the king, a reluctant witness for the king, a reluctant ambassador. You know, you're overstretched. And in truth, you are fragmented. And it's no wonder that, that you find God's agenda burdensome. It's the burden. The integrated and, and enthusiastic life. That one is illustrated in the next diagram. And, and in this kind of life, in this kind of living, our core identity and security rest on the fact that we are God's children. This is the center. Then out of that center, you know, the, the drives, our core drive of, or goals of my life um, starts to come out, which is God's kingdom. That becomes, that, that is the focus, the, the, the core of what my life is. I am an ambassador. I am a witness. I am a servant of King Jesus. This is who I am, a child of God who is these things. And then having that, that reality, the fact that I am God's child and I am serving his kingdom, then impacts the rest of my life in all these other areas. Every part is an expression of my core identity. You know, what I do, how I live within the family, in the workplace, the goals that I set, the things that I'm trying to achieve, my lifestyle. You know, all of those should be reflecting the fact that I am a child of God whose heart is on the kingdom, whose heart is on the king. I want to bear eternal fruit 
for my king. And so I become part of God's great and huge eternal story. You know, it's always hard to have a fully, you know, well-integrated life that reflects the life that God is calling us to. But guys, this is where it is, where it's at. When we put God, when we put Jesus at the core, at the center of our lives, that is the agenda and influence is what drives everything else, then integrity becomes a part of us. And when we're talking about integrity, when we are saying integrity, we're talking about all facets of life. You know, not just Kidogo, not, not just your work, not just your, off, your, your, your time in church. You know, the Bible says in, in, in Luke 2.52, and Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature, in favor with God and with man. You know, so, you know, when you look at Jesus, you see an example for all of us. And we see that there was this concern. They actually bring it out that he, his, his physical, his mental, his spiritual, and his social health are all important parts of being kingdom focused, of how we are living for God. And so, you know, your sleep, your diet, your exercises, your medical checkups, the way you're taking care of the body that God has given to you, that's part, you know, of, of, of being kingdom focused. You need to take care of it, uh, your mental and emotional health. You know, and these things are actually often, very often come together. Those are things that you need to be careful about. You know, in the book, Dr. Omar actually mentions that most of the conflicts, most of the conflicts he's had have not been around spiritual matters, you know, theological arguments and stuff like that. They are actually about hurts, you know, some hurts, some misunderstandings. And sometimes the pain that is speaking into the present thing is not even from the current case that we're dealing with. You know, the way the, the, these things relate with our emotions and, and they relate also with our relationships. Your mental growth will often come through you know, learning experiences, reading, and other things. But please don't forget to deal with the emotional side of your mental health. You know, through some of the things that we've already looked at during this, during this series. You know, acknowledging your pain, being open about it, clear, and starting to seek to understand it. And looking to Jesus for your healing and for life. And getting counseling. It could be from a trusted friend. It could be from a pastor. You know, and, and when necessary, you can even go to the place of, of professional help and deal with this, these things because this is what is important. You must have good mental health to be a proper ambassador of the king. You know, how is your spiritual health? You know, what is it that renews your spiritual life, your relationship with God? It could be prayer, Bible reading, you know, study, listening to sermons, listening to worship music. You know, I listen to a lot when I'm, when I'm taking my exercise walks. Um, I, and it really works well for me. I get both physical and spiritual renewal. And because I'm an introvert, I tend to walk alone. And so I'm also dealing with my mental health as well as I'm doing that. Um, and then there's the question of social health. What is it that enriches your relationships with others? And, and, and guys, this is an important area of your life. And if you need to grow in this, I encourage you, look back at our 40 Days of Love campaign. Don't just have learned that stuff and then forgotten it. Um, go back and look at it again. Um, those of you who were not part of that campaign, Karibu, check in your YouTube and our YouTube channel, in our website. You can get those things and, and just learn. Relationships are a big deal. And God has taught us a lot about making those work. Now then we have the third barrier. The now and not yet extremes. And that's the challenge really of, of understanding how we live on the basis that we are children of God now. You know, that Jesus is king now and yet not all things are new, not all things are smooth. 
you know, we, we still have to struggle with all the things that the Bible says will not be a part of our problems, will not be a problem when the, when the kingdom is, is, is there, the future kingdom. It'll be eliminated. And so sometimes we ask, you know, why am I sick? And you tell me that Jesus loves me and he has the power to heal me and he's not doing it. And people even get angry with God. You know, the Bible teaches, it's really true, the Bible teaches that Jesus is king now. And he has power and authority now. And yet at the same time, the fulfillment is not yet. There is a reality that there will be weeping and struggle until the time is fulfilled. The truth is that we have to struggle with the reality that I am in the kingdom now and forever. And yet in, the se in some senses, the kingdom is not yet. It's not yet. It's a balancing act. But undergirding it all is this, is this fact you know, the foundation, the king is fully in control. You know, he, he, our lives are secure. The destination of our lives is also secure. And the key for us is, is keeping the now and the not yet in parallel. Like a railway line, you know, we keep them in parallel. In a sense, we are, we are journeying um, with two things. The reality that now we have the king and yet the kingdom is not yet. It's, 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 it's just a balancing reality. When you have the, when you, and many of us actually, you fall in one extreme or the other, and I hope we end up in the balancing place where we are on both, um, on both tracks. Because the guys who are on the extreme, you know, they're thinking, you know, all of it is ours now, you know, on earth now. And, and, and so, you know, you hear those things, live like a king's child, and, you know, expect that everything will work out well. In fact, we think about and we hear people saying prosperity and miracles, they are for me now as a reward of the, you know, the reward for, for faith, for believing, for becoming, a, you know, a part of the family of God. Live like a king's child. But live like King Jesus. That's the king's child who we can see living in this world. And his, world, his life was very different, wasn't it? Um, it had the both end. You know, remember guys, that all the health wealth guys um, that are preaching and teaching on, on these things, they all end up dying sooner or later. That's a reality. On the other hand, we have those guys who are on the not yet extreme. And so in, the, in that not yet extreme, they minimize the, the breakthrough. You know, Jesus coming from heaven to earth. Um, you know, God made man. We, the, the breakthrough, um, the supernatural, the miracles that Jesus was doing. And yet Jesus says, you know, it's those miracles that prove they are part of what is proving that I am the son of God and that the message I am saying I'm bringing to you is genuine. And you know, on this not yet extreme, when we are just thinking only about the kingdom far away, one day in heaven, it lacks that supernatural reality. Um, and guys, God is supernatural. God is supernatural. And as we testify, we, we, we walk with this, we need to have this testimony of both this reality that, that he is king now, and the supernatural is real, as well as the fact that, yes, there is a not yet part to it. And that balancing is, is, is you know, where we, we recognize the Holy Spirit and his work in our lives. We acknowledge that, the, that, that he has power, that there is the reality of Jesus Christ present and king. And so those things can happen. Those big things can happen. And yet, at the same time, we recognize and we bow to the fact that he is king. And all of these things are done for the glory of God. How is it serving God's purposes? Not just us, but God's purposes. You know, which, which one are you? In which extreme do you fall? All of us tend to one or the other.
you know, I find that, you know, as I was thinking about it, I, I thought, you know, I actually tend towards the, the not yet group, in, even despite the fact that I have seen the miracles and the interventions of God in my life, in other people's lives. It's so easy to find ourselves swinging from one side or the other. You know, David Livingstone, a missionary um, that many of us know about, we've read in our history books about him, um, working in Africa in the 1800s, he showed real kingdom perspective in, in something that he said that is, is quoted by Francis Chan um, in Francis Chan's book, Crazy Love. And this is what he says. He says, people talk of the sacrifices I have made in spending so much of my life in Africa. I never made a sacrifice. We ought not to talk of sacrifice when we remember the great sacrifice which he made, you know, who left his father's throne on high and gave himself for us. How can you grow to have a perspective like that, a kingdom perspective that looks and wants, I just want what, what God wants. You know, I've often been, you know, I've often faced that same comment. You know, you've made such a big sacrifice. Is it? Is it really? You know, it, it's not a sacrifice. It's, it's an entry into the purposes of God, you know, into the fullness of the life that I was created for. You know, it's, it's a response to Jesus' love and his call on my life. And, and that's a privilege to be, to be part of his work. It's such a privilege. Getting the kingdom perspective. So we recognize and we overcome the barriers and we step into the kingdom, into kingdom action. And makes our lives become for him. Which brings us to the second big, big thing that I'm looking at today, which is being his kingdom witnesses. That is what we've, we've been called to be. In Acts 1.8, Jesus told the disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And right there we see that the scope is all-encompassing. You know, it starts local, you know, Jerusalem and Judea. And that's the places where we are comfortable, where people are just like us, interacting with people who are pretty similar, similar background and cultures. And then we step into the Samaria, you know, which is a cross-cultural step. You know, it's going beyond my comfort zone. And cross-cultural, <laughs> it's not talking about going very far, but it may not be comfortable either. You know, it can be quite demanding. You know, these days you can be cross-cultural right outside your door, eh? Um, you know, and, and we can ask ourselves, does your Hindu neighbor, does your Muslim neighbor, you know, do they know that Jesus loves them? They won't know it unless they see it in you. You know, what about that guy who, who, who is a traditionalist and, and their ways of worship, they just make, they, they upset you so much, you know, they really offend you. Well, that's how it was with the Jews and Samaritans. And God sends us there. I admit, by the way, that it may be very uncomfortable. In fact, I struggle. Um, I struggle on it, and so do most people. But that's because it's outside our comfort zone. It is crossing culture. And by the way, guys, do you know when, when, when Christians stayed too long settled in Jerusalem and they were just interacting in Judea, God allowed persecution from Satan to hit the church. Um, and, and that, you know, forced them out. It scattered them. And they went into Samaria, and these are the places. And thankfully... These guys were witnesses. Wherever they went, they, the Bible says the word went and, and it made a difference. And, and I want to ask you, would that be true of you? That this is so securely in place that if things went wrong and you, and you had to go in, you had to head somewhere else, that it would always be visible, that the word would come out. I pray too that it won't be necessary for us to wait for that persecution to push us out of our comfort zones. 
And then we are told that the scope is global to the ends of the earth. Remember, guys, that as Jesus is telling us um, this, he's telling us to be his witnesses. Not just to witness, but to be his, his witnesses. So it's not just your words. You know, your whole life testifying to the truth of Christ. We represent Jesus Christ all the time. And it's a full-time status thing. And it's not just what you say that's important. It's also what you do, how you are living, being witnesses. Although we must remember that, of course, you know, being a witness also requires spoken. We testify of the truth that we have experienced. Yet being involves everything you do. Colossians 3.23. It says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. And so you're always looking beyond, beyond the temporary towards the eternal. You're looking beyond the, 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 the temporary reward, the temporary leader that is present in your life, that is, that is around you there, to your true king and to his reward. And you're always on. We are salt and light. That's what Jesus said. It becomes your nature. This is who I am being. You know, ambassadors whose, 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 whose ambition is to gloriously represent their king wherever they are, whatever they do. Empowered, finally. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. How, how would you apply the things that, that we are learning? I want to challenge you. Um, and the first thing that I want to, I want to ask you to do is, is, is just think, you know, who is it that needs to see and hear Jesus through you? You know, put, put down a name or a group that might be stirring in your heart right now. Maybe they're unreached because nobody has just gone out to be with them. Or perhaps God has placed something uniquely in you that will trigger a reality check for them. You know, so pray and make a plan for something that you will do as a courageous first step. It could be a relative, it could be a friend, a, an office mate. You know, sometimes the relationships we have is, is such that this person has been waiting for you to be the person to, to, to invite them. You know, I was once told that by my cousin. You know, he told me he had been waiting for me to be the one to invite him. I'm so thankful that he hadn't died. <laughs> yeah. You know, I remember John Nganga once preaching here and, and, and mentioning how when he was in college, his roommate, you know, you know how you can be lying down on your beds and you're just chatting. And his roommate told him, you know, I'm sure this issue of salvation cannot be that important or urgent. And so John asked him why, you know, and his response was, my mother is a believer and, and I know she loves me and goes to great lengths for my good. And I know that you also love me. If this was so important to you and, your ma and, and my mother, <laughs> you guys would barely sleep. You know, trying to get hold of me. Get me in. Could there be someone who is like that in your life waiting for you? Could, it also could be someone who is outside of your comfort zone. And it could be someone out there, you know, in the wider world. Some of you may be thinking of emigrating to Europe or America or to China. You know, people go, a lot of us go to, to India for, for, for medical help. Can the people that you go and interact with, can they see can they see your love? And who do they attribute it to you? Is it you or, you know, because that's what they will do. You know, that's such a nice person. You're such a nice person. Unless somehow they know that Jesus is the influence of your life. That he's at the core of what they see. 
And then some of us have global influence and, 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 you know, through our phones and computers, we are reaching. Can we serve the king through these things? If you represent King Jesus, how will they know unless you find some way to tell them? You don't have to be offensive about it. First Peter 3.15 says, Always be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So in a respectful way, in a gentle way. But remember, always be ready. Yeah? And not just some of the time. And it's for all of us that we be ready. That people would know where this call is. And then the second thing is, please identify some practical steps that you will take to avoid the, the divided and distracted life of worldly success and adopt the integrated life, the kingdom life where God is your focus. During this week, please read chapter 9, just one chapter this time. The other times we've been doing two chapters, this time it's just one. Generally your answers and, you know, deal with especially those questions that, 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 that irritate you or annoy you, things that surprise you. You know, stop and think about them. And share your learning in your CLG, on your WhatsApp, in whatever channel you might have. Share with other people. But more than anything, I want you also to spend time this week. Pray. Pray and ask God to, to help you to bring the kingdom into the center of your life. For you to be so aware that, that as a child of God, that must be the core of your identity. As a child of God, then the kingdom of God becomes the focus the focal point of your life and then everything else working out from there you know don't don't allow that the kingdom of god would be just a little portion of your life that you're feeling all the time that is just pressure 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 to give more time may it be at the center let's pray father in heaven once again i just thank you for just the love that you have shown us that we would be called children of god it's such an amazing thing such an amazing thing and then Lord even beyond being children of God you have invited us into your, your eternal purposes and that our lives can be made so rich when we recognize that it's you that are at the center of life of the world of all creation the one who made it is the one that, that truly should be the center of our lives I pray Father that you will that you will enable us to be like that, to be a people who know that we are children, that who know that you are at the center of our lives, who view every portion of our lives as a reflection of this relationship that we have with you. Oh Lord, fill your, fill your children with the Holy Spirit. Help us to, to experience this and be empowered to live powerfully, uh, being witnesses, being kingdom-centered. Us in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Has this message challenged you? We hope that it has been a blessing in your life. If you would like to give your life to Christ or talk to or pray with someone, kindly reach us on WhatsApp 0721 990 880. God bless you.